But all right, hey, friend of the show, Chris Phillips. I almost called you Spurs Up Show, but hey, this is completely new. You, you got the, the shirt uh, there for people watching the video and everything. It's SEC Unfiltered now, live Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern time, every day. Chris, we haven't talked to you since uh, SEC Media Days, and you used the photo that we took. I mean, we're such good photographers. We, we just give people... F You're not the only one, but uh, I've, I've seen it all over your stuff, so... Um, I, I, I'm thankful that we could contribute at least somewhat to you. Yeah, Mike, I feel like I need to start paying you royalties on that. <laughs> it's been from the daily live show to the post game call in shows we did to heck, I was using it as my LinkedIn header for a while and my social media <laughs> header on the personal side. But, uh, no, Mike, it's great to talk with you. I appreciate you having me on. And I, I mentioned this to you off air, but I want to thank you for having me on because I think, you know, as well as I do. You know, there's a lot of ego in this business at times, and you'll you'll see it from time to time, whether it be South Carolina, Tennessee, it be the SEC, whatever it might be. If there's a new venture or new entity or, or somebody new emerges, you're going to see a lot of people shoot them down and, and try to belittle them and kind of dim their light, if you will, by, by negative things they say or do or what have you. And so, you know, I look at you and Cousin Shane and that SEC podcast and you as an entity, you as a platform, you as a personality, and you had that choice, that option, whether you wanted to say – you know, hey, Chris Phillips, what is he doing rebranding? This is our territory. This is our turf. Get out of here. But instead, you welcomed me on your show and invited me on. And I can't tell you, and I want to share with the audience, I think that speaks to your character. I think that speaks to you as a creator. I think that speaks to you and Cousin Shane, what you've built. Obviously, you don't need me to tell you and, and give you necessarily the credit or lift you up. You guys know how good your work is and how good, great of a job you do for the SEC audience. But I think, again, it really speaks to who you guys are, and you understand that we can all win in this space and that you know everyone can win on their own merit and your light doesn't shine brighter because you try to dim someone else's. So I just want to point that out, man, because again, there, there's some people that maybe would have taken it personally and they would have let their ego get in the way and say, I can't collab with this person. I can't, they're trying to do this. They're trying to take my audience. And so I just want to say thank you so much because I value our relationship greatly. You know, back, I would say, because this is something that it wasn't an overnight thing. I've been thinking about this for the last calendar year. This time last year, I kind of knew in my mind that this was something that could be down the pipe. And I was like, I want to get more familiar with what's happening in the SEC. The show I went to was that SEC podcast, truly. I was listening to you guys constantly. I didn't even tell you this. You were actually my top listened to podcast on Spotify for 2023. Because I nice. <laughs> so often trying to get caught up, right? I was in the South Carolina scope for so long it was kind of you know narrowing my focus and I was like I want to broaden it who's the best place to go with you guys so again I just want to say thank you man and I want to point that out to your audience because it's not a small thing to have the humility I think and have the grace to welcome someone on who's doing a new venture or maybe you know is stepping into the space for the first time and again you had that option and I just appreciate it I'm grateful for it I value our relationship you, you and cousin Shane crush it so I appreciate it well thank you for the kind words Chris and that leads to my uh my first Question here, if you go to the SEC Unfiltered, if you're not following it, I, I recommend it. But first line of that bio, the best SEC entity on the internet. Where do, where do you get off? Who do you think you are, I Chris? I, I carried it over from, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, man. I, I just believe in speaking things into existence. When I had 30 followers on, on Twitter, I said we were the best Gamecocks entity on the internet. And that was the tagline of the podcast forever and ever. And it's again, it's not meant to be a, a slight or a jab at you or locked on SEC <laughs> or anybody else who does it. I just I try to carry myself in a mindset of being the very best, being my very best, right? I'm I'm competing against myself. You're competing against yourself, right? It's it's not a we have two different DNAs, we have two different ways of doing things. And I think that's what people got to understand too, is even if we talk about the exact same topics, very often they're gonna overlay. Again, we can do this show together. We're gonna disagree constantly, and that's what makes it beautiful. That's why I say the beauty's in the banter, man. It truly is a great thing. So I, it, it's more so me challenging to be my very best self and to be the very best I can be versus we're in competition necessarily. So again, I know as a great creator, you understand that, but uh, it was the tagline I couldn't help but carry over to the new entity. Well, that's the only question I had. So the interview's over, Chris. I appreciate <laughs> you. We got, the, we got the tough <laughs> stuff out of the way. Yeah, we got the easy stuff out of the way. No, but uh, seriously, I'm just kidding. But what made you want to to, to do SEC over uh, you know just South Carolina? Was was there was there? I, I would assume there's many reasons. There are. I mean, it's something too, Mike. That I would say again did not happen overnight. Um, you know, I go all the way back, and I was talking to you about this off air. Uh, 
early spring of 2022, I went to the South Carolina Tennessee baseball series up in Knoxville, and I went with a group of buddies that were Gamecock fans, but they had a big group that were Tennessee guys. One was a Vandy guy. Obviously, I showed you the helmet, and our live show audience has seen the helmet, the football he sent over. But either way, we were watching the series with them. Had a great time. Knoxville was awesome. Lindsey Nelson Stadium was a really good time. Tennessee whooped South Carolina's butt. That was the only down part of that weekend. But, you know, those guys, I, I really give a lot of credit to those Tennessee guys. And I got a soft spot for Tennessee because when I was up there, you know, they were they were saying how cool TSUS was. You should do a TSUS for Tennessee. The merch is great. The content, it's really dope. Like, you should expand and grow. And that's what really got the gears turning, Mike. I mean, that was the first time where I thought, okay, this has benefited one fan base, one school so greatly. And I've always been objective, right? I've never been someone that I'm a South Carolina guy, just like you're a Tennessee guy, but you're objective. You're able to see things not through a, an orange lens, me, a garnet and black lens. You call it, you see it. And you also just love the SEC and love sports in general. And I've always been wired that way as well. I've always been painfully objective since the beginning. So, you know, the gears started turning, Mike, at that point, And I felt like, you know what, there's going to come a point where it makes sense to expand and grow and you know, I can't help but look at national guys and look at folks. I mean, you were a big part, you know, big piece of inspiration. Guys that are doing the SEC, doing it on a national level, and um, you know, I thought to myself, maybe just maybe one day that'll make sense. And it was a, it, it was a an evolution, I would say, that really over the last calendar year, Mike. That's that's when it really started to take shape and take form. And I didn't necessarily know it was going to be right now, but I'll never forget the you know, the ending of that South Carolina-Clemson game to end last season, I, I just kind of knew. And I knew even the midseason, but I just knew that was my last football season being solely a Gamecocks entity. And I had I had dreams and visions and goals as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a content creator. And, and that's really what sparked the decision, right? It, it was not to get away from South Carolina and distance myself from them at all or create a wedge between me and Gamecock fans. No, it's I'm the same guy. I'm the same creator. I'm the same person. What I'm trying to do is just simply open up my content to 15 other fan bases because there was a lot of ball. We were talking a lot of content we were making that I felt like was really good. But, you know, when it's got a South Carolina label on it, it's hard for a Georgia fan or a Texas fan or an Auburn fan or a Tennessee fan to accept it and hear you out. So, you know, I, I sort of wanted to, you know, I wanted to remove the ceiling, my ceiling as a creator and an entrepreneur. And again, that's that's not taken away from South Carolina. I'm grateful forever to Gamecock fans for even putting me in the position to to make that leap. And I would say again, Mike, I'm still a South Carolina guy. I'm still the same dude. But in regards to business ventures as an entrepreneur, as a content creator, I just wanted to take that ceiling off and open up the content to the rest of the SEC. And I'm excited for it, man. I've been having a blast and looking forward to all the new relationships, meeting all the new people, interacting with all the new folks on social media. And again, we're already having a lot of fun. So something that did not happen overnight, but it happened organically. And I'm, I'm so excited where we are and we're going. It's not because you're a Clemson fan. I, I see that <laughs> online. Why, why do people think you're a Clemson fan? Yeah, so Mike, I, I went through a. I've seen, I went to a, I've seen I went, a lot of stuff you posted about Dabo. No, no Clemson fan would ever say these things that you yeah. said about Dabo. Well, I, I went to a uh, Clemson baseball camp back when I was uh, in high school, and uh, I wore the hat one time. I was like 15 years old. Wore the hat. Picture was taken. Um, I liked the hat, to be fair. I mean, when I was younger, I would have played baseball there. You know, I was a baseball player first. I was still a Gamecock fan in that photo. Been a Gamecock fan. My first South Carolina Clemson game was 2003. I was 12 years old, the one that I remember at least. Uh, 03, I was 12. It was 63 to 17 Clemson. So I sat through that. I sat through 29 to 7 in the brawl next year. I sat through all the losing streaks, everything else. And, uh, but yeah, just who knew that about. 15 years later, that picture would surface on a, somebody went to an old Facebook. They found an old Facebook and copy paste, and there it is. And, and uh, you know, supposedly in 2017, when I started TSUS, I, I bandwagon onto Will Muschamp's Gamecocks football program, <laughs> build my business instead of instead of bandwagoning onto Sean Watson and Dabo Sweeney and the national championship, Clemson Tigers, or or any other team I could have started the business around. So I'm a weird team to pick the bandwagon on, but that's supposedly what some people think. But uh, now makes for good laughs, for sure. Some of the best advice I ever got was, you know, don't try to be – I used to be a, a big Bill Simmons fan growing up. And, and not that he's bad now, but I just – you know, I don't really follow the stuff he does. But don't try to be Bill Simmons. Don't try to be – Clay Travis, don't try to, you, you got to be your, don't be Josh Pate as you know, and these are highly successful people. So I'm not, it's, it's nothing against them. But if I try to be Josh Pate, some people say, you're, why don't you do like, yes, like Josh Pate. It's like, well, then my show sucks. Cause I'm trying to be someone I'm not. And, um, but I say that to, to just ask you, 
Is there anyone that you particularly like, maybe your favorite personalities in the SEC? I'm always kind of interested in, in someone that does what we do, who, who they've kind of grown up on or who they really admire. And uh, please don't say Cousin Shane. I, I hear it nonstop. I get people stop me on the street. They're like, you have a podcast, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I love Cousin Shane. And I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, like, but please don't say, even though everybody loves Cousin Shane, I'm just joking. Cousin Shane was my leadoff. And then you, of course. I mean, you and Cousin Shane, it's, you can't have one without the other. And, and to your point, Mike, I, I think the advice that you got is is very true that, you know, it's it's kind of like we talk about these coaches, right? They had to stop here and there and there, and they were under very successful head coaches. You'll hear them talk about it. You know, you be a sponge and you soak things up, but you, you take things you like and you discard things you don't like, but you have to be yourself and you have to have your own personality. And that's what makes you special. That's what makes you unique. And you have to embrace that. Um, in regards to personalities, you know, before I ever even got into content, you know, I, I really always gravitated towards the barstool sports side of things, not the extreme stuff, but their personalities. I, I think like I used to watch the rundown with Dave Pornoy and big cat and KFC admittedly, Pat McAfee's a big one for me. I know we said sec, but, uh, you know, Kirk Herbstreet, the way that he covers college football, I, 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 I want to say I don't get why people hate him so much, but I mean I do. It's just the nature of the beast of what we do. Again, seriously, you and cousin Shane and the work y'all do in the you know that SEC podcast. Um, you know, having Chris Doring on the show, obviously an SEC network personality. We had him on weekly, and we'll do so again next season. I mean, I really admire and respect Chris and appreciate him taking a chance and taking the opportunity to come on our show weekly. Uh, you know, Tom Hart, Cole Kublik, Peter Burns. I mean, really, all those guys do a great job. But I, I would say. You know, looking at a guy like a Pat McAfee and kind of the way it's it's fun, loose, entertaining. Um, you know, I, I really try to be somewhere in between the spectrum of barstool and old school journalism. I try to be somewhere in the middle. I'm somebody that I like to have a good time and joke around and shoot the shit. I also like to talk ball, make predictions, and talk about key matchups and something I've been doing as a kid, but also you know, again, not like to not take it too, too seriously and just have fun with it. And uh, even though it is life or death, obviously, for us in the SEC. So those are just a couple. <laughs> but again, I, I mentioned top of show, Mike, you guys with that SEC podcast. I mean, when there, there was when I was trying to catch up on the SEC, there was one show I went to and it was you guys. And, uh, I, you know, I, so I don't just say that to butter you up, man. I really mean it. I, I really admire what you guys do. Well, I appreciate you, Chris. And uh, I, again, I don't want to just talk South Carolina or anything, but obviously, I know you from just covering them for so long. So and, and I just Mike, one one side note, one side note. I will say when I was listening to you, I found myself waking up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night, just hearing Ooh, "Welcome in this episode," <laughs> and then I would just hear "What are you up to, Tennessee?" Homer? I, I that that would just ring in my head. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, but I, I want to just start with South Carolina because I know you know them so well. And and I just it feels like to me that we're at a, a crossroads here. I I think Shane Beamer's done a a lot better job than than many people realize, given what he's had to work with. And I, I realize we're coming off a a down season. Expectations were high, but we lost week one, and then it just it just never felt right. Like it, it was almost like that was an indication of what was to come the whole rest of the season, and, and something that we had talked about. Last offseason, it was just so so critical that they get off to a fast start, something that has yet to happen under Shane Beamer. And given the schedule they had, they basically had no shot, shot to to really do that. And it, and it kind of killed the momentum, so to speak. But what's your thoughts on Shane Beamer and South Carolina moving forward? Um, is it fair to even wonder if he's going to be the coach next year? Or do you look at the recruiting he's done and said, well, my God, I mean, he's, he's doing a hell of a job. And, and, and I realize – South Carolina's just in a unique position where if a couple key players go down, there's no coming back from that. Whereas you can sustain those injuries at Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and then not kill your seasons. The Gamecocks are just not there right now. Yeah, Mike, to your point, South Carolina football, I think you use the term a crossroads. I, I think that's an accurate way to put it. You know, you look back at the 2023 season and, you know, you mentioned the injuries. I think they had 12 on the offensive line. It was the most they had had, you know, they said since 1999 when the team went 0-11, right, winless in Lou Holtz's first year. But, you know, the 2023 season, it was just a shame, I guess, for all the hype and the momentum and the expectations with the return of Rattler, return of Wells to, to me, the most inexcusable performance of the season was that UNC game, right? Coming off the offseason with, again, all the hype and momentum and expectations, and not just lose, but, I mean, just get beat down, nine sacks surrendered. You knew the offensive line was going to be a major question 
going in that game and throughout the season, but nobody saw that performance coming. And, and to your point, Mike, it was almost like those issues never got fixed. Some things improved, no doubt. Some things improved. But we did not see that progression of South Carolina under Shane Beamer that we normally saw from week one to week 13 outside of maybe the Kentucky game. But that one was a pillow fight at best, and South Carolina rode their defense, which I will say did improve in the second half of the season, found a way to get the W. But, uh, I mean, it's just a season of what could have been, right? If you had better blocking up front, I think really 2023 was – I think it shined light, Mike, on some of their shortcomings in the transfer portal and, and the way the portal gutted them last year and what they lost on the offensive line. And I mean, listen, they swung and they missed on some guys in regards to the guys they signed, not just the guys they missed, right? They they tried to lean on some FCS transfer guys on the offensive line and, you know, the defensive front as well and at linebacker. And it just, they didn't pan out. Some of those guys just flat out did not pan out. You know, I, I think the buy in, Mike, in Columbia is still really high on Shane Beamer. Certainly, I mean, no coach in the SEC is immune to losing. And, you saw that last year. I was stunned, Mike, after the Tennessee game specifically, a game that, I mean, we talked about all offseason. There was no way, especially if that game was at night in Knoxville, the Gamecocks were going to Neyland Stadium and beating Tennessee after what happened in 2022. Still, after the UNC loss, I think that was a game, Mike, that a lot of South Carolina fans had circled. There is this budding rivalry between the Gamecocks and the Vols, as you know very well. And the way that loss happened, especially in beatdown fashion, that was the first time in the Shane Beamer era, the day after and the week after, that you heard the rumblings. Like people really started to question Shane Beamer. Is he really the guy, right? Why, why is Beamer doing this and Heupel's doing this? I think that's one of the big reasons because those two guys are compared against each other because, you know, you look, they came in same time. I don't think anybody would say the situation at Tennessee was better than it was at South Carolina. I mean, things were really in disarray. So a lot of folks compare the two programs. And then it was that Florida game, obviously, Mike, that just sent the season off the rails. I called that that game over the summer the most important game for South Carolina. You felt like on the home field, they blew you out in 2022. That was one you had to have. And that proved to be the one that cost the Gamecocks a bowl game. And, you know, some might turn up their nose or, or they might scoff at a bowl game appearance. But, I mean, for South Carolina and building a program early on, it's still a big deal to go to a bowl game. And it's and it's a big deal to just have some positive momentum in the postseason, get those extra practices, what have you. So, I would say to your point, Mike, with all that being said, year four is a pivotal year. I mean, I think Beamer's going to get till year five no matter what because I think the buy-in is there in Columbia. But if you look way too far ahead and you look at their schedule, and I know they lose Rattler, they're going to have tons of question marks. They added Rocket Sanders in the portal. Outside of that, I think they've had some decent portal additions, some nice ones. There's a lot of guys that are TBD in regards to what type of impact they're going to have on the SEC level. But, I mean, there are four kick-in wins on their 2024 schedule. Akron, Wofford, Old Dominion, and then Vandy. Dare I say Vandy? That's If we're not talking about that one as a kick-in win, there are bigger problems than we realize. So, there are four games you absolutely will be expected to win. If you can't go two and six in the other eight games and get to a bowl game, Mike... I think you really got to start questioning what's going on. I don't care that you got a brand new quarterback and you're going to have new pieces on the O-line. You lose Xavier Leggett, you lose Juice Wells. There's a lot of pressure. I think for the first time, there's real pressure and there's real heat on Shane Beamer. See, and I don't say that to say that you know anybody should be calling for Shane Beamer's job going into 2024, but you know as well as I do, Mike, this is a win business. What have you done for me lately? It's a win now business. And you know, it, it doesn't it feel like South Carolina is on an eerily similar track as Arkansas has been on, where you had this early success, year two you pop, year three you fall short of expectations. If you do it again in year four, I mean, I could see South Carolina being a, in a very similar position to where your AD has to come out. We're giving him one more year, which you know, Mike, means either win next year or we're going to fire your ass. So I, I think Beamer could be in a very similar position. That schedule is a gauntlet, obviously, but nobody wants to hear that because it's a gauntlet every single year. So definitely, I think you use the proper term at a crossroads. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's I think it's seven and five or better is the expectation in 24. You got to at minimum get to a bowl game, though, because if you go five and seven, got four gimme wins, are you telling me one and seven in the other eight games is good enough? It just simply can't be in an evolving SEC. And then um, I may have this a little wrong. I mean, I, we we dove into the schedules when they came out, but a lot's happened since then. So uh, I've not had time to, to fully process the 24 schedules, but I believe no Tennessee, no Florida, no Georgia on the schedule for the Gamecocks. So who, obviously Clemson's the big rival, but staying in the SEC, what, what's the one game you think 
South Carolina fans want the most next season? The game that they want the most outside of Clemson, of course, right? That That's the big one. There's a lot of folks that would say that we can only win one game a year, right? It's going to be that. Every fan base has got that game, if you will. And it is weird, right? First time since 1991, South Carolina will not play Tennessee, Georgia, or Florida. I think the game that Gamecock fans want the most, Mike, this one actually, now that I think about it, feels like a really easy answer. There's a guy named Juice Wells that went down to Oxford, <laughs> Mississippi, and the old Miss Rebels come to town to kick off November. I, I think South Carolina fans, because of that, it would be a huge win, obviously, too, because I'm already seeing way too early top 25s with Ole Miss in a preseason top five, and with what they've done in the portal and what they just did this season, and with Lane Kiffin obviously leading the way, I think they deserve that ranking. So for what it would mean to win that game, the type of team South Carolina would have to have to win that game, but also that Juice Wells factor, I don't know if there's going to be a more vicious environment at Williams-Price Stadium than that one. So I'd probably go with the Ole Miss game. I think second on that list will probably be at Kentucky just because it's a big game. I think it's a pivotal game for their season. It's week three on the road in Lexington. Mike, you talked about the slow starts that have haunted Shane Bieber's program. It definitely feels like, again, looking way too far ahead, if South Carolina is going to overachieve, they're going to get to seven wins, God forbid more. I think that one at Kentucky is one you got to have, but – the Juice Wells factor makes that whole Miss game must-see TV. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah, well, let's get, get into some Ole Miss then, Chris, because um, you, you had some comments online, and you, you referenced this earlier as well, that uh, you know there's going to be disagreements that are, that are going to be had, and that's one thing I like about you. You, you. you state your opinion, and you know, you're not trying to suck up to anybody, and you took real issue that I said Judkins better than Jackson Dart. You said, no no way in hell can you put a quarterback over Judkins, but I just think Judkins top, I mean, hell, maybe a top five, maybe a top ten player in the entire country. I don't think Jackson Dart's touching that. I mean, I think, I think he's a very good player in a very good system, but I was just, you know, I was rattling down in my head. I mean, Georgia's not trading Dart for, for Beck. I know everybody – it's very popular right now to bash the hell out of Jalen Miro. He just finished sixth in the Heisman. I mean, let's get real, people. Alabama's not trading him for Dart. Tennessee wouldn't trade Nico for Dart. Uh, I, I mean, that I don't think Quinn Ewers, I don't think Texas would trade him for I, – I don't even think Oklahoma would trade Jackson Arnold for Dart. I, I can go on and on. I mean, I don't think – and people take this as Jackson Dart bashing. Again, he's going to put up crazy numbers, year three, Kiffin system. But – what, why were you so adamant? And and everybody's agreeing with you, so you're not even you're probably not even wrong. But what what did you take such issue with me putting Judkins, who I think could be the best running back in the country, and a player that you're going to need next year, not just in the SEC, but if you make it to the playoff, this is a guy that's going to win you the games. I don't think it's Jackson Dart. What what do you say? Well, and Mike, to be fair, and again, I promise I'm not trying to butter up to you, but I I think this is an argument where. What do you value more, right? I, I think you can make a case for both, and nobody's really wrong. It's just kind of, you know, what do you value in an effective offense? And when you look at this Ole Miss football team, what you need more? I mean, I think it's a very, you know, it's it's a fun argument to have. That's why we're having it. But, you know, I kind of go to what Cousin Shane said on your show, I think it was last night or two days ago, when he said Ole Miss is still a national championship contender. This doesn't change anything. And I've heard multiple folks say that. If they lost Jackson Dart, I, I just can't see us saying that. Like, I, I think that would be a, a much bigger loss, if you will. Now, down the stretch, you need that guy like Judkins, obviously, to put the team on his back and the role that he played for them. But I think if you take away that trigger man, there's just there's no proven commodity. I think it is much easier to find a replacement for the running back position, which is a position, let's call it for what it is, Mike, that's, that's devalued. It doesn't have the same value that it once did. And I think with... With Ole Miss and, and that offense, Lane Kiffin, I think he'll dial it up. They've got the offensive lineman as well to get that run push. And obviously, they want to run the football. They love to run the football. It's a misconception that Ole Miss just wants to throw it all over the yard. But I think you take that trigger man away, I think it's a much bigger impact than maybe you realize or some others realize. But I just do not think we're having the same conversation that, you know, Ole Miss, it doesn't matter they lost this guy. They're still a national title contender. You take Jackson Dart away. I think we got much bigger question marks, and I don't know that we're going into next season saying top five, top ten. I think most folks just expect, as I do, to admittedly, just expect Ole Miss to be able to plug and play versus at the quarterback position. There's a little bit more to it. I, I just think there's a little bit. It, it's always a scarier thing when you're having to replace QB1 versus RB1. So certainly to your point, Mike, and maybe Quinshawn Judkins 
ends up back at Ole Miss, right? He's visiting Ohio State. There's been some chatter, you know, would Ole Miss fans take him back? And and obviously there's other stuff, right? I, I saw you guys' video, and I saw the Instagram story as well with Dart essentially just throwing shade on Quinshawn Judkins. And uh, so I don't know how the locker room would feel if they even want him back. But uh, I think Ole Miss, with or without Judkins, preseason top five at worst top 10 team and realistically national title contender, 12-team college football playoff contender. I think without Dart, I question that. Are you buying Ole Miss as a playoff contender with uh, the, the way they've managed NIL and and the growth that Kiffin has has led to that program? No Bama on the schedule. That's mm-hmm. that's they got to be thankful for that because they they sure as hell can't beat Alabama. But they do get Georgia. They get them in Oxford. I believe they go to LSU. That's going to be one of their tougher games. They get Oklahoma at home. Those are their three toughest, at least on paper, and two of the three at home. I think if they go one and two, they're probably a playoff team if they win the rest. If they go two and one, I think for sure they're a playoff team if they go two and one in those three games. Uh, so you're buying the Ole Miss stock right now? How can you not buy the Ole Miss stock, Mike? I mean, that's you, you, we talked about today on my show about the transfer portal and the latest rankings. And, of course, Ole Miss is number one. But, I mean, you just go down the list of the guys they've added. I mean, it's just dude, 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 stud. I mean, they're all big-time contributors, right? And the way – I think Lane Kiffin, you know, he ruffled a lot of feathers after that Georgia game when he said, we got to go get guys like Georgia's got, right? He just flat out came out and said it. The way they've beefed up the defensive side of the football, I feel like with Lane Kiffin, you can, you know, be rest assured they're going to be fine on the offensive side. And certainly with those guys they've added, I think they're going to be just fine. But I think he understood after that Georgia game, we got to get bigger. We got to get more physical. I think Pete Golding did a pretty good job this year in year one. What they've done in the portal, beefing up that side of the football, man, I, I just... After the momentum they built, winning 11 games, first time in program history. I will say this, Mike. I think it's going to be a fun conversation over the course of this offseason or preseason or what have you to talk about Ole Miss and Mizzou, and not to be negative, but which one is more likely to fall short of these crazy expectations we're going to set for them this year because it's really easy to sit here right now and say, oh, they're for sure going to win 11 games and be a, or 10 or 11 and be a, a college football playoff contender, but Things change. Rosters change. Coaching staffs change. Schedules change. So, but man, it is just virtually impossible not to buy Ole Miss uh, their stock in regards to being a 12 team college ball playoff team. Now, I'm not ready to say our good friend JD Pickell, I think he said that he may be picking them to win the SEC title. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but certainly a contender. But, you know, listen, if you win double digit games, you're in the 12 team playoff. And I, I just, I don't see any world where they don't. Their schedule sets up well as well, Mike. You mentioned in regards to that front half. They're going to be able to build some momentum. They're going to have, obviously, all these new pieces, get them acclimated. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on the Rebs in 2024. Quick little break from the show to remind you guys, we're brought to you by MyBookie. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today and put in that promo code that S-E-C, T-H-A-T-S-E-C, over at MyBookie Online Sportsbook. They're willing to give our audience a $200 exclusive cash bonus today to wager on these bowl games, NFL, NFL playoffs will be right around the corner, college, football, playoffs, all the sports. They got you covered over at mybookie.ag today. And don't forget, most importantly, that promo code, that SEC is the number one way to help support the show this football season. Head on over to mybookie.ag today. Put in that promo code, that SEC. All new users get a free $200 cash bonus just for signing up and using that promo code. We're also brought to you by Prize Picks. Don't forget the Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Sports, the go to site for daily fantasy sports is none other than Prize Picks. And with that promo code SEC, they are willing to match your initial deposit up to 100 bucks. So you can have 200 bucks in your prize picks account today with that promo code SEC. Help the podcast stay independent. I know football's winding down, but there's still lots of football action to get in on before it all comes to a sad, depressing end. Head on over to prize picks, promo code SEC, and that SEC over at mybookie.ag today. We don't ask for much. We just ask, take advantage of these sponsorship opportunities if you can afford to do it. And now, back to the show. Off air, you had a little, I don't, I don't even want to call it a hot take because I agree 100% with you. We're recording this before the national championship, but had they put in a different team into this playoff, we'd be seeing them tonight. Can you kind of rehash uh, your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, Mike, 
Speaking on, and I'm excited to watch it too. It hasn't happened yet by the time we're, 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 you know, this conversation's happening, Michigan and Washington. But, you know, I just simply said that in final thoughts on the game that I think there's nobody's kicking themselves more watching that ball game than Georgia fans and Georgia players, coaches, that entire program. Because, in my opinion, Mike, the best team in college football for my money's worth, and I'm sure your money's worth, was Georgia. Now, Bama fans are going to hate me for it, as you should, by the way, because you know what? Bama. They took it to Georgia. Georgia knew what they had to do, and they fell flat on their faces, right? Nick Saban owns Kirby Smart. We all danced on Saban's grave. Heck, I was one of them, too, last summer. Nine and three is what I had Alabama at. You said the dynasty was dead, and goodness, Nick Saban just shoved it up our rear ends again. So, you know, they did what they had to do. But even right now, even looking at the playoff last week, I was watching that Bama-Michigan game, and I posted this at halftime. I said, how much would Georgia be up right now? Bama had 97 yards of offense, right? They were down three points. And the way Michigan played in that game, Georgia played one of their sloppiest, worst games of the season. They shot themselves in the foot. They had self-inflicted wounds, something they really had not done all year, right? I mean, I, I, my mind just keeps going back to the, the weird jet sweep thing where Beck tosses it up. It's a fumble. Bama gets it right there inside the 20. I don't want to say they practically handed them the game, but they practically handed them the game. And they had a banged up Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey. I'd take Georgia right now over Michigan. I'd take them over Washington. I would have taken them over Texas. And I would have taken them over Bama. I think Georgia beats Bama seven out of ten times at worst out of ten games. If those two teams play each other, and I just think that was one of those days, Georgia picked their worst time of year to have their worst game. And so, again, we'll never find out. That's why I'm so excited for a 12-team playoff, Mike. People will say, oh, it demeans the value of these games. But we get to find out on the field who the best is, right? I mean, should should one Saturday ruin your chances, ruin ruin the opportunity to prove you're the best? And again, I, I think if Georgia, if Georgia, and the fact they fell from one to six, that's a whole separate conversation that's absurd. They fell behind Florida State, which goes to show you the committee, they didn't have any clue what they were doing anyway. So throwing <laughs> darts at a dartboard and throwing something at a wall, hoping it sticks. So yeah, Mike, to the point, we'll never know, but uh, if I was a Georgia fan watching that national title game, I, I'd just be kicking myself because one bad Saturday cost your football team an opportunity to win back-to-back-to-back national championships, and I think they would have done it. I mean, and it's not because they beat up on Florida State's practice squad. It's because we watched them all season long, and we know, and you're not going to get the best version of a team every time, but the version we saw most of the year would have beat anybody in that playoff. That includes Bama in a rematch. Yeah. Well, you, you said a lot there that I kind of want to ask you about, but um, it, where, where I really wanted to ask you, 12-team playoff, obviously. Right now, again, this is before the national championship. We're about to get Michigan and Washington, two teams, Chris, that, you know, I, I did see, you know, it's, it would be totally unfair to say Michigan had no hype or, you know, Bruce Feldman even, I, I think, picked him and win the national championship in the preseason. But this is not your usual championship game. It's it's always a SEC or ACC. It's, you know, five stars galore. If you look at the 24-7 sports composite, this is Alabama's roster is, the, is like literally the most talented ever for what that's worth. But um, I guess what I'm trying to get at, Chris, with, with Washington and Michigan in the championship, personally, I think that's a direct reflection of NIL, transfer portal, and this new era that we're in and the playoff you know, as well. Do you think we'll see more of that in the 12 team or because we'll get Georgia more likely than not in there, teams like that? Uh, do you think at the end of the day, because I because you could swing it either way. You could say, well, hell, Georgia's more talented and deeper and, and so is Alabama. Their depth will outlast a, a Washington if, they, if Washington had two more games. But where do you think this is going? Do you think we'll see more outliers like this or will, will the 12-team model – favor uh, the teams with the with the best talent like the previous system did? I think we're going to have more parity, Mike. At least that's what I hope happens. I mean, I, I think for everything I just said about Georgia getting snub, whatever, obviously we're, we're all kind of feeling a little salty. The SEC is not in the title <laughs> game. I am excited as hell to watch that game, by the way, just because I'm curious, does defense still win championships or is it all about high-flying offense and a guy like Penix Jr.? But, you know, either way, back to your question, I, you know, I, I think – I don't know that it's going to be the same every year. You know, I, I hope it's a lot like this year where you've got teams like I think realistically, like we had some teams like Ole Miss and, and Missouri that could have given two, three, and four, maybe one some real headaches. Like I th this would have been the perfect year for a 12 team playoff. I'm excited though, Mike, that 
this conversation we're having, is it going to do this or is it going to do that? We just get to find out. Like, there are probably going to be some years where 11 or 12 gets blown out. And, and and round one is a complete shit show and it's it's a blowout. And people will point and say, see, that's why we should have had the old BCS or the four team. But there's going to be some years. I would almost guarantee you, because like you mentioned, the portal, NIL. I heard you talk about this all offseason. Like, people complain about a certain guy going to Missouri, whether it's a five-star or a portal. Like, why not be excited about that? Like, the ball is getting better. There are more teams that have more interests that are better, that are competing for more things. Like, think about this, Mike. Tennessee, for example, right, going into next season, they just went, what, won nine games. And I think I saw you say they were the only SEC team to win nine games. I saw what you did there with that. <laughs> but uh, what's fun about this now with the 12-team playoff, especially for people like you and us that do this for a living, is, you know, versus this time last year, what have you, we were talking about, oh, can this team get back to eight and four, win nine games? Now we're talking about a Tennessee team that's, hey, they tinker some things here and there. Obviously, Nico's got to carry that offense, but they're a game away from being a serious 12-team college football playoff contender, and who knows at that point they could make some noise. So we're having a lot more fun conversations, I think, Mike, about the game. Um, is it going to be a perfect system? No, it's not going to be perfect. Again, I think there will probably be years where we have some, some uh, you know, first-round games that are blowouts. I mean, I think the group of five, Mike, needs its own playoff. I don't want to see Liberty in there, man. I, I don't want to see Tulane. I know Tulane beat Southern Cal. I think it was last year. But, like, realistically, right, we saw what happens when a team like Liberty goes up against Oregon, and it's a bloodbath. But I do think, because like you mentioned, NIL, the portal, especially with it being the Wild Wild West, these programs that have really invested in those things – I think they're going to continue to reap in the talent and get better and better. And I think there's going to be, you know, I, I don't think Georgia, Bama, these top-tier programs have the monopoly and all this great talent anymore. And I think that's only going to help the sport and make it better. And I know some would disagree and some would say that the rich are only getting richer. The rich are always going to get richer. But now maybe the little guy who has some funds and has some things that can separate them, you got a chance. You got a chance with Portal. You got a chance with NIL. It's another way you can differentiate yourself. I think we've already seen that. So, I'm really hopeful, Mike, this continues and we have a great 12-team playoff next year. And But even those that were opposed to it, Mike, with the Florida State thing that happened, you got to admit it's the lesser of two evils. Let's just see it play out in the field. Right. And I, not that I ever feel bad for these coaches, Chris, but I mean, there's going to be half the damn SEC. The expectation is to make the playoff. <laughs> and you better believe, you know, LSU don't make it. Brian Kelly's going to be facing that heat. And it's obviously the same with Kirby and Nick Saban and all that. But let me let me ask you this. I, I really wanted to ask you. This is classic SEC offseason content. And we're in the offseason because there's no SEC. Nick Saban or Kirby Smart, who's a better coach? And I'm not saying for the next 10, 20. I'm saying today. If you had to pick one to win a football game, you're going Kirby, you're going Nick Saban. And you know what's interesting, Mike? Going into the SEC championship, we dropped a fun graphic that was comparing every single position unit, and one of those was coaching. And I gave Georgia the nod. I, man, I, I mean, I just <laughs> I doubted the goat at every turn last year, and he stuck it to me. <laughs> I, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I my my heart wants to say Kirby Smart, but you're not like you mentioned. You're not talking about for the long term. You're not asking me to pick a coach for the next five years. You're asking me today. Who's better? We just saw Nick Saban beat Kirby, man. We just saw it happen. I, I just, I got to put respect on the GOAT's name. Now, if you're asking me today, I'm starting a new program. Who do I want to build it? I'm going Kirby Smart. But today, I think Nick Saban's earned that right, man. We we tried to dance on his grave for so long, and he, all he did was rise from the dead. And they go, they went and won the national or SEC title, excuse me. So I, I got to go Nick Saban today just because he stuck it to me so many times last season. Yeah, and when do you think he retires? And do you want him to retire? Because I've been I've been waiting for this man to retire for ten years. He's killed Tennessee, he's killed the SEC till Georgia has risen up here recently. But you know, I thought he was bad for the game, dominating the sport. Now I've kind of done a one eighty, Chris. He's like Darth Vader. I think you know he's still the bad guy, but he makes it fun, and the sport will not be the same without him. And now that at least Tennessee is like somewhat competent against him, I, I, maybe that's part of it too. But uh, how long before you think he retires? And, and will that will that be good or bad for the SEC? What's your thoughts? And, and Mike, what's interesting, the way you talk about Nick Saban, that's how I felt as a youngster, admittedly, watching Tiger Woods. I, I wasn't the I was always a Phil guy over Tiger Woods. So I disliked Tiger. I wanted him to lose. And then, you know, when he had his scandal and he had his injury and he was away from the game of golf, it was like, I really actually miss that guy. He makes it more fun. <laughs> it's fun to have a villain. 
And so that's what Nick Saban serves for a lot of us. And um, I don't think he's retiring anytime soon. No, I mean, at least not not right now. I mean, I, you know, here's the thing, though. When it does happen, we're not going to expect it, right? It, it's not going to be expected. I'm curious, though, Mike, does he go out on top or – do they actually go eight and four one year? Do they go nine and three? And does the dynasty actually decay, as you've said so many times? And does Nick Saban give folks the opportunity to say, I told you so, <laughs> he's done, he's finished, and then he rides off that way, which feels weird, right? That that just that doesn't feel fitting for the career that Nick Saban has had. But, you know, from folks I've talked to, again, we talked to Chris Doring, who was at the Rose Bowl and 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 did work for Sirius XM radio, talked to Nick Saban one on one. I mean, he said he he, you know, he felt like Saban had as much energy as ever. And you know, does he retire within the next five years? I, I think that's I think that's fair to say, right? He's been doing it for quite a long time. I don't necessarily want him to. I think he's great for the SEC, Mike. Like I mentioned, it's always fun to have that quote unquote villain or have someone to to pull against. It just makes it more fun. And um, so I'm not necessarily looking forward to the retirement, but as a Tennessee guy, I totally understand why you were looking forward to it. So um <laughs> no, I, I think within a five year window, but I, I'd be stunned if it happened this offseason. Yeah. Oh well, and you're starting this uh, SEC unfiltered at the perfect yeah. time, perfect yeah. time with Texas and Oklahoma. I had I had to ask you about them coming into the league. I, what, thoughts on that? Uh, you know, just makes the best better in my opinion. But I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts and and how competitive will they be on the football field year one? Yeah, I'm excited for the additions of Texas and OU. How can you not be against someone, especially myself, that's going into this new SEC venture? And again, the league is only getting bigger and better. And, you know, we all just think football, but not just football. I mean, I, I'm a huge baseball guy, Mike. What Texas and OU are bringing to the league on the diamond is going to be electric. Both have really good basketball programs as well, both men's and women's. So certainly there, there's a lot that SEC fans will be able to beat their chest about and be proud of. But uh now, I mean, you look at what Texas did going to the college ball playoff. Quinn Ewers is going to return. I, I think they're going to be immediately one of the most talented teams in the SEC and certainly fighting for that 12-team playoff. You mentioned the top half of the league that's basically going to be having those playoff or bust expectations. Texas is going to be one of them. Right? I mean, they're going to expect to go back. They want to be, quote-unquote, back, as they say so often. And then Oklahoma, I, I think, is in a good position. I'm, I'm really curious with Jackson Arnold. That game against Arizona was was ugly, but I mean, again, a youngster getting thrust out there and did the best he could. But uh, and then Brent Venables obviously replacing Ted Roof as defensive coordinator. Who he goes after there is going to be really interesting. But I, I thought Oklahoma had the season, Mike, they needed to have despite the bowl game because let's face it, bowl games are kind of a crapshoot. Had a double digit win season, had the type of season they needed to build momentum going into the SEC after a tough year one in Norman. So I'm thrilled, man. I'm excited. Like I mentioned, it goes beyond just the gridiron. You talk about basketball and then baseball as well, man. You know, I'm 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 a baseball guy at heart. I'm sure you know that. I I love college baseball, and so I, I can't wait selfishly to talk SEC baseball. But no, it's it's only a, a positive addition to the league, and and it only gets tougher, right? It's it's interesting, like you mentioned, half the league has this playoff robust mentality, and I mean, listen, that's because it's a more realistic goal to make the 12 team playoff than it is to win the SEC championship. I mean, if you win the <laughs> SEC title at this point, I mean, that is. You want to get like an extra asterisk or an extra piece of a trophy or something because, I mean, it's just, it's a gauntlet, man. It, it's going to be a straight up gauntlet. And certainly, uh, Oklahoma's feeling that. I thought their schedule was one of the toughest in the 2024 release. And then, Mike, of course, we get Texas OU brought to the league and then Texas and Texas A&M. I know we're all looking forward to that one, man. That is going to be absolutely electric. So there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, I know there's some, but I, what I think is interesting too, Mike, is I think there's some programs middle to lower tier that are saying, you know, kind of beating their chest over the SEC stuff and come on, bring it on. Y'all don't know what y'all getting into. And it's like, <laughs> it might be your program having a win or two less every year. So I'd, I'd be careful. I'd be careful talking that talk. But no, nah, it's, it's going to be awesome, man. I can't wait. Yeah, one of those teams that's probably going to get an extra loss, Florida. What do you make of Billy Napier? Does he survive? And he's an interesting case study, Chris, because years ago, this was the trajectory. You, you bring in your guys, you develop. That's all out the window with, with guys like Heupel and, and Kiffin and, and others having success right away with the portal. Um, I, I don't know. I think the coaching world is rooting for Billy Napier because he's a good guy. He's doing it the old school way. But I, don't, I just don't know if that's going to – I don't think you can do that anywhere a, anymore in today's SEC. What's your thoughts on Billy Napier, and, and will he survive this, do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm really concerned, Mike, for Billy Napier, as I'm sure many of us are. And, and you know what's what's really concerning too is you look in year two, and there were so many year one mistakes in year two. I mean, it was just the way it happened, right? It's it's not just record, but how it looks on field. And of course, they got that big win at South Carolina. I think was probably their signature win of the year. They got to five and two. You're thinking, man, 
Florida's having this this season. They'll get to a bowl game. They're building under Napier. Then you lose five straight. And that Arkansas game obviously was was really the dagger, the blackout uniforms, which blackout uniform <laughs> noon game. I mean, it just adds to a comedy of mistakes in the Billy Napier era. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. We're we're actually going to be Mike. I think I told you this off air. We're going to be in Gainesville for Florida Miami. I'm I'm really happy to knock out the swamp week one. I've never been, and it's also before probably the reality of what Florida's 2024 season is going to be before that sets in, right? We're able to get there. I look at that Texas A&M game in week three, Mike. That's a really big one, right? Mike Elko, first-year head coach. We've seen a couple Gators go to Texas A&M. And, man, if you let them come in and beat you with your own guys practically, right? Then Trevor Etienne's going to Georgia. And and there's just so many things swirling around that program, and the expectations are sky high. And you you just don't get five years in this day and age and this era to turn it around, Mike. So if I had to guess – I hope Florida fans and, and the administration is they're patient with Billy Napier. I don't think they're going to be because I think Florida is is probably looking at a right now five and seven. Maybe it's a four and eight. I mean, they've got the toughest schedule maybe in the history of college football. Mike, eleven Power Five opponents. They got to play Miami. They got to play UCF. They got to play Florida State. Sanford is the only game you look at their schedule and go, yeah, that's a win. Where, where are the other wins? I mean, is it? Where are the for sure other wins? Like, there ain't a whole lot of them on that schedule. So, um, you know, I, I we had a lot of this hot seat talk last year. I think it was smart. They didn't fire Napier, obviously, because you don't want a first-year coach facing this gauntlet. But I feel almost bad for Billy Napier because it almost feels like he's the sacrificial lamb. That it's like, let's just get through this. You're bringing in all this talent recruiting, which they also lost lost guys in recruiting, which I know is not sitting right. well with the fan base. So it, it's just one thing after another, and unfortunately in the SEC it can snowball, and that's kind of what it feels like for Billy Napier. But maybe it's darkest before the dawn and they surprise, but what's the realistic expectation? I mean, I think if they can get to a bowl game, they had a really good year. So only time will tell, but I, I don't think Billy Napier is the head coach in 2025. All right, final thing for you, Chris. Really appreciate your time. I want to test your your neutrality. You're SEC now, so you got to be neutral here as best as you can. <laughs> Nico up at Tennessee. I mean, what what are the odds? He's the best hypo quarterback to date, and, and based on recruiting, he is. He's he's the best talent he's ever had to work with, and he just started the one game against Iowa, who I was told was elite on defense. I don't think they were, but they, I was told they're elite. And, uh, I, you know, I thought for a true freshman in his first start, I thought, I thought he looked incredible. And if, if he is what he's cracked up to be, what can Tennessee be? Do you think under Josh Heupel? Are you able to properly pronounce his last name, by the way? I'm sure you can, but dude, I cannot. I, no, <laughs> I, I recapped that citrus bowl and I was very complimentary of Nico, but I thought I was saying it right. And boy, when I tell you Tennessee folks, they let me have it about you're mispronouncing his name. I'm like, I am genuinely sorry. I thought I was saying it correctly. So I'm going to do some more practice. It's not quite ready. Maybe by SEC Media Days, I will have that ready to go and I can pronounce it confidently again. But uh, no, I mean, listen, I I think the Nico for Heisman chance, get him going. Nico for Heisman. You you making some Nico for Heisman shirts yet, Mike? I think it might be time. Let's get it rolling. (laughs) Oh, seriously. I mean, I I think you look at the skill set. You you, you look at that game against Iowa, and I I love how people want to discredit Iowa after the game. Big 10 team overrated. But, I mean, that was one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in all of college football. Tennessee just ran through them. I mean, up and down the field. Um I think you got to love what you saw from Nico, man. I, and I wondered why Josh Heupel didn't play him more. Credit to Joe Milton. I thought he he was a steady hand transitioning from Hendon Hooker to the Nico era, which is basically what Milton served as. But, you know, when you look at the arm strength, obviously the arm talent, you know, there was a video I saw from that Citrus Bowl of Nico rolling out to the right, throwing on the run, threw a dart. I mean, on the sideline. Uh, you look at the look at the the mobility, the legs, obviously had a couple of three rushing touchdowns in that ball game. I think he absolutely, Mike, and, I, and I'm hesitant to say this because, man, Hendon Hooker was special. I mean, to this point, I, we could probably argue he was the best quarterback in Tennessee history, right Right above Peyton Manning. I mean, I, I've heard Tennessee folks say that on record. So is Nico going to be that level? It, it's tough to say right now, but he's got that potential. And, and the good news is he's going to have the running game to help him because it's a Josh Heupel scheme, a Josh Heupel system. I think the way they're reloading there on the offensive line – at the running back position, the skill position, guys. They get Brew McCoy back next year. That's a huge boost. Squirrel White is back. 
And again, it's Tennessee football and it's Josh Heupel. Like, he's in a great system. He's in a quarterback-friendly scheme. I don't know that we should expect the world from Nico in year one, but if you're asking me in, say, two to three years, is he the best quarterback in the SEC? I, I think we could realistically be saying so, yes. Because, I mean, again, this guy, it's just scratching the surface of what he can do, what we saw in that Citrus Bowl. So um, he's going to have the pieces around him. Tennessee's building defensively as well. That front seven was great this past year, and I think it's only going to get better. So, I mean, I think the sky's the limit, Mike, for, for Nico. And I do I think Nico could guide Tennessee to a 12-team college football playoff? I'll put it this way. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. I, I'll be surprised if Tennessee doesn't win double-digit games with Nico under center. Yeah, well, that's the perfect way to end it. I got no more further questions for Chris Phillips, SEC, unfiltered. Can you tell us, uh, Chris, how, how, my audience, how can they follow you? How can they uh, find the show? Again, Mike, I want to say to you, thank you so much. I'm grateful for you, your friendship, you, you and Cousin Shane mean to me and an inspiration to many of those in the industry. So, And like I mentioned, it's just awesome to chat with you, and I truly value our relationship. But, yeah, my name's Chris Phillips. We're at SEC Unfiltered on X, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you get your content. You can find us there. Uh, daily live show, just simply SEC Unfiltered Live, airs daily noon to 2. Facebook, YouTube, and X. And the podcast drops daily, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, at SEC Unfiltered. And uh, we're actually going to be adding other shows in the network, Mike. It's not just going to be me. That's one of the reasons, one of the other reasons I forgot to mention. In the beginning, I made this transition because I have entrepreneurial goals and visions and dreams. And one of them is building a full-fledged company, full-fledged entity that goes beyond just Chris Phillips, right? I've been a solopreneur for quite a long time, so I think we're actually in the process right now of adding another daily live show. We're adding a team of contributors that'll write articles over at secunfiltered.com, so highly encourage folks to check that out. We're also going to have merch at some point. We're going to get back in the merch game, so a lot happening right now. We're just getting this journey started, but uh, the joy is in the journey, certainly, and I'm enjoying every step of the way. And again, Mike, I, I can't say thank you enough, and we'll get you back on the airwaves as well to start that Nico for Heisman campaign. Get that <laughs> rolling here early in the offseason. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.